Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that impacts your agency and organization. Today, we'll have Caroline Wong, VP of Security Strategy at Cobalt. Good day, Caroline. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for joining our podcast today. I think we have a lot of interesting things to discuss as it relates to the software assurance community, the security community, but also the DevOps community. Yes. Great to have you. Caroline, we met briefly. Our first time I met you was uh, in Boston this year at DevSecCon when you presented a talk entitled, Why Does Security Matter for DevOps? Can you briefly share why it matters and why organizations should care? Sure. So from my perspective, there has been a massive shift in the landscape for security professionals as DevOps has kind of come more and more into the picture. So I think there are really three main reasons why security matters for DevOps. The first reason is because of sales and acquisition. Um, One of the key features of DevOps from a security perspective is that rather than dealing with sort of an isolated system where, you know, security professionals are dealing with on-premise data centers, workforces, devices, Um, We now have this cloud ecosystem of vendors, and as a potential customer or acquirer is asking about what a company is doing about security as part of the sales cycle, that actually makes security a business driver, uh, which is a significant departure from sort of the cost center um, way of looking at security in the past uh, in, in sort of traditional enterprises. Um, now, the other two reasons are reason number two, press. Uh, certainly, uh, a DevOps company, like any company, wants to avoid negative press headlines, which might result from a security breach. Uh, but if you think about that for a moment, uh, you know, the reason a company cares about press covering a security breach is because they don't want that to affect their sales or a potential acquisition. Um, so you can think, of course, uh, Verizon and Yahoo and the $480 million discount uh, that Verizon got on their purchase of Yahoo uh, because of their security breach. Um, and then, of course, reason number three why security matters for DevOps has to do with compliance. If a DevOps organization needs to comply with PCI or HIPAA or another requirement in order to do business or meet a customer requirement, uh, then this is simply, you know, table stakes for doing business. Uh, and again, compliance in my mind is really just part of the path toward, again, making sales and doing acquisition. That's a very interesting point that you gave because more and more people talk about DevOps, but not a lot are are actually doing DevOps. In particular, I want to refer to a 2017 State of DevOps report that was done by Puppet. It revealed that only 27% of survey organizations have adopted and switched to DevOps. From the outside looking in, I would think, I would tend to think that number would be a little higher. I have a two-part question for you. One, What do you think are contributing factors that impact DevOps adoption in organization? And two, what can more organizations do to create a smoother path for DevOps adoption and transition? Sure. So to be honest, when I read the 27%, I was a little surprised too. Um, And as I thought about it, I realized 
it's actually much easier for a brand new organization to start out with a DevOps methodology than for an existing one to make a switch. So some percentage of that 20% consists of organizations that were born into DevOps uh, rather than adopting DevOps. Um, and then as far as the organizations go, which already exist uh, and have not made the switch, the other 73%, I think these, these fall into a few broad categories. Um, one of them is that, that the companies that are, they're resistant to change. And it's because a, a change to DevOps would require a really massive shift in terms of how business is done, how technology works, what sorts of talents and skills are required. Again, you know, for example, when we're, when we're talking about moving from kind of an isolated private data center technology uh, situation and, and, and shifting to a cloud ecosystem, there's a lot of differences in terms of how budgets are done, how architectures are done. Even, even a small organization like mine, uh, you know, when we make a decision to re-architect our applications, uh, for example, you know, changing from a, from a Rails front and back end, uh, to React front end with APIs that connect to the Rails back end, you know, that's, that's a major platform decision that requires investment and time in order to get to a state where now on that React front end, we can make changes very, very quickly. So, um, and then, of course, we've also got uh, companies who actually outsource all of their software development to an outside vendor. Uh, so, you know, the first thing that's got to happen if a company wants to do DevOps is they've got to take their software development in-house. Um, these are a few examples of some really massive uh, business and technology changes uh, that an organization would have to choose to do if they decided to adopt DevOps. Uh, another broad category, of course, is culture. Uh, you said it yourself uh, during your keynote talk at DevSecCon that people resist change. Of course, companies are made up of people, and as people are naturally resistant to change, uh, there can be a huge cultural barrier. So if you've got an organization where for years, you know, the dev and the ops teams have been at odds with each other, and there's something deeply embedded in the culture, you know, that's not going to change overnight. To your second question, what can organizations do to create a smoother path for DevOps adoption? Uh, I really think there's, there's three key things. And the first is, okay, DevOps can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Number one, you know, key to adoption is there's got to be a clear vision from company executives to say, what exactly is it for us? What exactly are we going to do? What will the organization look like? What are our metrics and our success criteria going to be? Um, the second is, how's it going to benefit our organization? So how can we show the value of making this massive shift and talk and tell stories about our current state and compare that to a potential future state. Um, I think automation uh, is certainly one area where it's possible to reduce the pain for engineers and show existing development and operations teams uh, that things can get better. So I think it's all about quick wins at the beginning. Uh, and then third, it's really important that an organization 
explains to the existing team members how it's going to benefit them. So how are they going to be empowered? How are they going to get their buy-in? Uh, and I think this can really be done by using coaching and education. So today, you know, out of that 27%, there are certainly people who have made the transition to DevOps and they know how to do so. Now, an organization doesn't have to bring those folks in to replace any of their engineering talent, but rather bring them in, do some coaching, do some training, and especially address fears up front, uh, especially fear of the unknown, you know, make it known, uh, and, and, and ensure your folks that training is going to be provided and that that training is, is really going to benefit, uh, their careers, uh, going forward. Uh, finally, I think what I've seen for large enterprises that are sort of dipping a toe into DevOps is that they're starting small, you know, with a, with a pilot program, trying it out in one business unit and seeing how that goes. Uh, before before scaling and, and kind of doing it all over the place. So now I want to get your take on another survey that I saw. HP Enterprise conducted a study that revealed that 99% of all respondents agree that adopting a DevOps culture has the opportunity to improve application security. However, of the 99%, only 20% are actually doing secure SDLC testing throughout development. I have a two-part question. First, why is that the case? And second, what are some realistic goals to increase AppSec and software security visibility in the DevOps process? One reason is because what security folks are used to doing, um, following frameworks, for example, such as NIST 853, it's a bit out of date and may not apply to an organization that's doing DevOps. NIST 853, as you know, of course, is very network focused. Uh, and in a DevOps world, it's really much more about infrastructure as code. And particularly for security, it's really about application security. So then an organization says, okay, you know, we understand we're making the shift that's a little different from the traditional network security we're used to. Now we're gonna focus on application security and how would I go about doing that? And they go and they look up frameworks having to do with application security, and it can be very overwhelming very quickly. So the BSIM, uh, which is a project uh, that I was that I was very pleased to work on for a few years, uh, the BSIM has a list of 113 software security activities. Uh, ISO 27017, which is focused on cloud security, has 121 controls. And the CCM, Cloud Controls Matrix, I believe, put out by the Cloud Security Alliance, has 133 controls. So it's simply overwhelming. And I think sometimes when folks look into solving a problem, uh, which, you know, maybe the goal isn't even really that clear in the first place, and then they find that the solution is potentially extremely complex, uh, then in some cases they may just choose to walk away uh, rather than figure it out. But isn't the key is trying to automate and codify these controls, these practices, uh, and pass them along to the tool chain so you can automate? Isn't that part of why or part of the issue we're having yeah, so so here's my thinking on automation, because I think that it's really easy to say 
automation solves a lot of things. And indeed it does. But having automated some things <laughs> in the past and had various successes and failures, I will tell you that the best candidates for automation are processes which are standardized and repeatable. You've got to really understand what the steps are in a process before you automate it. And it can't have, um, it can't have things in there like, okay, well, at this point, we need a human's opinion. You know, that's not a good candidate for automation. Any process that's new or any process that happens differently every time and is not repeatable is not going to be a great candidate for automation. And so there are certainly some things when it comes to application security that can be automated. Uh, static analysis integrated into the SDLC, for example, is one. But as you know, where whereas, you know, finding some types of security problems can be automated, um, of course, a computer program is only going to be able to find what it's told to do. Um, there are entire classes of security flaws that are impossible to find via automated means. I want you to finish this sentence for me. In the next five years, the impact of DevOps on software development will be? Even more obvious than it is today. So today, there's a brilliant woman named Dr. Nicole Forsgren. She runs the DevOps Research and Assessment Organization, and she is leading research on DevOps outcomes with very positive results. I believe that organizations who do DevOps well will thrive when it comes to whatever they're trying to do with their digital experiences, make money, et cetera, et cetera. And organizations who do not adopt some DevOps behaviors and realize the benefits will fall behind. Caroline, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Caroline Wong. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.